of the Lord this morning. I'm not sure why everybody sat on the right side today, but that's okay. <laughs> it's the right side, or the left side. But it's good to have everyone on the right side and everyone on the left side. How about that? <laughs> so good to be in the house of the Lord. You notice we're missing a few of our young people this morning. We're missing Pastor Daryl uh, today. And um, that's because Pastor Dale is preaching this morning up at Thurman's Church in Richmond. So say a prayer for them, and I know that he and his family will be a great blessing to that congregation this morning. So um, NCOG on the road, right? We just package them up and send them out on the road. But thankful for Pastor Allison filling the gap for us this morning. He he looked good up here. Looks like he's been up here a few times before. (laughs) We're going to be preaching out of John chapter 15 this morning and uh, finishing up the series, the seven I am statements of Jesus as we have gone through this beautiful gospel of John and as we have seen together the many things, the seven things that Jesus said he is, I am, I'm the bread of life, I'm the light of the world and so many wonderful things that he is, the resurrection and the life and Today, he is the true vine. He is the true vine. And I thank God that we can be connected in to him. And he is our source of strength and life and purpose and hope and destiny. He is everything to us. If you believe that, say amen this morning. Let me invite you to join us Wednesday night. Travis Gore is going to be preaching for us. No stranger to this church, our state youth director, and I'm looking forward to the next two Wednesday nights, and I say, God, just send revival, right? And let's just carve out time for the Holy Spirit to meet with us and energize us and strengthen us. Thurman gave us, Pastor Thurman just gave us some wonderful words, didn't he? The last couple of Wednesday nights, and that singing, uh, that was kind of a reunion quartet, I guess, and uh, Thurman and Nelson Allison and uh, Rick I enjoyed that so much, and I just sat there and enjoyed it and listened and wished I had been part of the group, you know? uh, That was another time and another place, so. But what a wonderful couple Wednesday nights it was. Hope you can be with us these coming Wednesday nights. Jesus said, I am the vine. Would you look with me, John 15, beginning at verse eight. We're gonna read verses one through eight this morning. And then we'll close out with the last part of chapter 15. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. One translation called him the gardener. I think that could relate to a lot in this room of, uh, and in this church. I've seen your gardens. Jesus is the, the gardener. The father, excuse me, is the gardener, the vine dresser. Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit... He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, remain in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me. Verse 5. I am the vine. And you are the branches. He who abides in me. And I in him. Bears much fruit. 
For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Verse 6 is a significant verse, isn't it? I don't want to be withered up and thrown into the fire, do you? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my Disciples. One of the greatest things that could be said about you or me would be this. They are one of Christ's disciples. I want to bear a lot of fruit for his glory. How about you this morning? And I want that fruit to remain. I want it to make a difference. Jesus said, I am the vine. I thought about it this way. As Christians, we are growing in the garden of grace. Picture a big garden, picture plants growing in the garden, picture a gardener coming out and tending to the garden and taking care of things in the garden. We are growing in his garden. We are growing in the garden of his grace. He is our source of power. He is our source of growth. Isn't it good to know that we have a source beyond ourselves? Don't you get weary sometimes? Don't you get discouraged sometimes? Don't you think, I don't have what I need to face the task? I don't have what I need to face the challenge? Well, we do have what we need through the true vine. If we are plugged into him, he is our source and we are connected to him. You see, he is tending to the health and the details of our lives. He comes along at strategic times and he strengthens us. He comes along at strategic times and he increases us and causes us to grow. He comes along sometimes and stretches us. I've thought about, don't you sometimes take wire and, and, and wood and you build something so that the plant will grow and stretch upon that? Has anybody done that? I don't know the official terms. I just take care of the food once it's on the table, not in the garden. But, but it stretches that plant out so that it will grow and reach its full potential. And sometimes he looks at you and I and he says, you know what? You're doing a good job. I, I like the fruit you're bearing, but you can do more. You can bear more and I'm going to stretch you. And he does that as our, as our gardener. He prepares us. Like in any garden, he comes along and he takes the rocks out of the garden. He comes along and he pulls the weeds out and the objects out that shouldn't be in the garden. Don't you know if we aren't careful as Christians, we can take on things in our lives that don't need to be there. Can I get a good amen this morning? Sometimes we can take on actions in our lives that are not pleasing to Christ, actions that undermine the fruitfulness that we should have in our lives. If we aren't careful, attitudes can develop in our life. Look at your neighbor and say, check your attitude. No, you don't have to do that. <laughs> but sometimes we can allow attitudes to come springing into our lives and we need the gardener, the great vine dresser to come along and trim some of those things out of our lives. You know, it's possible to do the right thing 
but to undermine it by having the wrong attitude, isn't it? And that vine dresser, God the Father, comes along sometimes and says, I want to help you with that attitude. You're doing the right thing, but you need to have the right attitude while you do it. He removes things from our lives to make us better. You see, God's rules, if I could say it that way, things that he declares righteous, things that he declares sinful, they're not just because he wants to be on some type of a power trip and try to control us. The rules that Christ has, the the things that are righteous and the things that are sinful are in place to help us be better. The things that are sinful are sinful because they're harmful to us. They're sinful because they hurt us and they hurt other people. They are sinful because they hinder us and they hinder other people. And so he prunes us to make us better. Now that sounds all sweet and good this morning at a nine o'clock, doesn't it? But in my mind, I'm picturing someone going out into the garden with some some, uh, tremors or, or something sharp and cutting things off and trimming up. And if you're that plant and you're getting cut, it doesn't feel so well then, does it? It's all sweet and sounds real good this morning when I'm, I'm just talking about it so nicely and kindly. But pruning can hurt. Pruning can be painful in our lives. Pruning can cause us to have to leave some things behind that we enjoyed, leave some people behind that we like being around. But pruning is necessary to become disciples. So the pruning process can be painful, but oh, it is so profitable. Well, let's talk about this vine dresser. Let's talk about what he gives us in this garden of grace. First, I wanna talk about this. He is our source of strength. He is our source of strength. Day-to-day life can be challenging at times, can't it? And we need to remind ourselves we have strength in God. But you take day-to-day life and you throw a curveball in there. You, you throw an obstacle that wasn't expected. You throw a health issue that wasn't expected. You throw a, a problem on the job in, in there and life can really become tough at times, can it? But we have a source of strength that is beyond ourselves. I saw this concept in John chapter 14. I see this concept again in John chapter 15. I think I even mentioned it last week, but I I just felt like I ought to say it again this morning. We do not have to depend solely on our own strength. We have power through the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen this morning? And we must remind ourselves when we feel overwhelmed, remind ourselves when we feel frustrated or perplexed or confused, we have strength beyond ourselves. We are plugged into the true vine. So where do I go then in life? Where do I go for strength? Where do I go for the answers of life? Do I trust my talent? Do I trust my skill set? Do I lean on education or some types of trainings that I have had through the years? Is that where I go? Do I go to my savings account? Boy, that's funny, isn't it? Do I go to my social security check? Are those the things that sustain me in this life? Is that where my hope is that every month my check is gonna go into the bank account or every two weeks I'm gonna get a paycheck? Are those my source of sustenance? 
Who do I go to? Do I go to my spouse? Do I, do I turn to my coworkers? Do I turn to my family members? Do I have a special friend that I lean on? Do I go online on the World Wide Web and find somebody to talk to virtually? Where do I go? And I'm reminded of the old song that said, where do I go but to the Lord? Needing a refuge for my soul, needing a friend to save me in the end. Where do I go but to the Lord? Oh yes, any of these things that I mentioned can be good in and of themselves. I'm not preaching against any of those things. And the Lord blesses us many times with all of those things, and I thank him for that. But he ultimately is our source, and sometimes he will allow those things to seem distant from us that we're depending on so that we'll focus again on him as the true vine. And if you find yourself in a place this morning where you feel like you just cannot connect with that friend any longer or or you can't find that answer or financial resources are tight, maybe, just maybe, you're in a pruning process where he's saying, let's focus back on me. I am your source of strength. Do I decide to just live life on my own terms and say, I'm my own man, I got this? Look at your neighbor and say, I got this. Now look back at your neighbor and say, you don't got this. (laughs) As much as we would like to say that we have it all together, have you ever looked at somebody and you thought, man, they have it all together. Never a hair out of place. They got it all together. Their shoes are always shine. Their car is always clean. And they've got it all together. But in and of ourselves, there is no person in this fallen world that has it all together. But we can have it all together through him, the source, the true vine. And God has given us assistance. And I want to talk about two things very quickly here that he has given to us that provide assistance to us. He talked about it all through chapter 14 and he intermingles it all through chapter 15 again. And I believe these two things are important. If he, if he talked about them so much, they must be important. One is this, he has given us assistance through the ability to pray. Do you ever pray? Do we pray? Do we pray Throughout the day, do we pray in the mornings? Do we pray at night? Do we pray when we're happy? Do we pray when we're sad? Do we pray If we aren't praying, we're missing out on a source of strength. We're missing out on one of the greatest gifts that God could ever give to us, the ability to communicate with our creator, to fellowship with him. Prayer cultivates a relationship with the creator. Prayer gives us a place to cast our cares onto him. And prayer gives us confidence in life. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever been going through something and you found yourself in a time of prayer and you left that altar of prayer, whether it be around the altar, whether it be in your private prayer time, wherever it was, and you left that time of prayer and know the situation wasn't different, but you were different. Anybody relate to what I'm preaching about? And then you walked out of that time of prayer with a new confidence, a new security, a new assurance, knowing that God is in control and everything's going to be all right. You see, that's the gift of prayer. 
That's the gift of prayer. I want to tell you this morning, if you are facing something, you can find a place of prayer and you can cast your care upon him knowing that he cares for you. You can stand up. You can square your shoulders back. You can firm up your feet and move on and know that I have left it with him and he's going to take care of it. That is the gift of prayer. Somebody ought to say amen this morning. That is the gift of prayer. And then there's another gift of assistance that he has given to us. And that is the Holy Spirit. I still believe in the moving of the Holy Spirit. I still believe that the Holy Spirit, he, he is a person and he is part of God. And God has sent him to the church. I still believe that. I believe that Christ talked about the Holy Spirit all through chapter 14, all through chapter 15, and he wants us to experience the very presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He will give us power. He brings comfort. He will guide us. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you know the fullness of the Holy Spirit this morning? We can pray and we can live in the Holy Spirit. I propose to you this morning that we won't be defeated and we won't be discouraged if we just take advantage of those two gifts right there. The gift to pray and the gift to live in the presence, the very presence of God, the Holy Spirit. So he gives us a source of strength. But he also has for us, God, this great gardener, this great vine dresser. He also has a source of strategy, a source of strategy. What do you mean when you say strategy, pastor? I think about a game plan. Maybe a coach goes into a game with a strategy, a game plan. Maybe as a family, we have a plan. Maybe we have a financial plan. We make a budget and we follow that budget. Maybe we have a plan for retirement and we think, okay, once I reach a certain age, I'm gonna have this stream of revenue and this stream of revenue and this stream of revenue and I have a financial plan. Maybe you have an estate plan and we say, when I leave this world, certain amount of my estate is gonna go to God's work and certain amount is gonna go to my family and I have a plan in place. I have a strategy of what I want to happen taking it down just simply. Maybe we have a daily plan. I live and die by my calendar and by my to-do list. Now, I don't always get everything accomplished on my to-do list, but I sure make a to-do list every single day almost. It's my strategy. I look at my calendar. I see what do I have this day? What do I have Friday? I make a list of the things I need to get accomplished. Sometimes those things on that list make it to the next day's list or the next week's list, but I make the list. We have a strategy. We have a plan. But more than any of our plans, God has a plan for our individual lives, and God has a strategy for each one of our lives. Have you ever thought about that? I I think we need to remind ourselves over and over again, we are here intentionally. We are here purposefully. God has decided to have us here upon this earth during this time for a reason. You are here for a reason. You are created for a purpose. God has a strategic plan for you. And we see that here in John 
15, when he starts talking about something, a concept called fruitfulness, fruitfulness. And he walks the disciples through his strategy. And he says, basically, when I found you, old boys, you were bearing no fruit. Nothing really good was coming out of your life. And his strategy says, I want to take you from no fruit to some fruit. And then from some fruit, I want to take you on to much fruit. And from much fruit, I want to take you on to even much more fruit. And then ultimately, I want your fruit to remain fruitfulness. Now, when you're talking about or when I'm talking about fruit or fruitfulness, what is he talking about? Let's break that down. He's talking about you and I being useful and productive for the glory of God and for the good of others. That's fruitfulness. And when I look around this room, I see fruitful people. Hopefully when you look at me, you see a fruitful person. But I don't want to have whatever amount of fruit is in my life now. I want to have much fruit. How about you? I want him to prune me and help me and I want to grow and I want to have much more fruit. And I want to have fruit that remains. I want to have fruit that remains even beyond my own lifetime. I want to leave a legacy that's so significant that even when I have left this world, people are being ministered to because of fruit that I have bore for the kingdom of God. And I believe that's possible every one of us. He has called us to a life of fruitfulness, usefulness. Look at somebody and say, you, you are useful. Now, I promised you that's not a trick this time. You are useful. Now, look back at them and say, yes, you really are useful. You really are useful. We are called to a life of usefulness and productivity for the good of others, and for the glory of God. I found that definition from Dr. Tony Evans, and I thought it was the best definition I've ever seen for fruitfulness. Now, let me just dig around. Since we're in the garden here, let me just dig around the roots right now while we're here. Fruitfulness is the proof of true discipleship. If I say to you, I am a disciple then you should see fruit in my life that proves that. Otherwise, I'm just saying it. If I say to you, I'm a follower of Christ, but you don't see the proof of the fruit in my life, then there's a disconnect. It is the proof of true discipleship. Now, let me dig just a little bit more right here. It is also the proof of true Holy Spirit living. Let me preach right there. Now, we're Pentecostal, and we love the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and we believe in that. Amen? I love it when the Holy Spirit moves in me, through me. I love feeling the presence of the Lord. I, I believe in that 110%, and we need him. We need that sort, and that's part of him giving us power. But if all I ever do is experience the power, and I don't live it out, then I propose I'm not truly spirit-filled. Can I preach right there this morning? Can I just tell us we can't just enjoy the power and the presence and then not live it out because he told us in Acts, he gives us power to be his what? His witnesses. So you see fruitfulness in our life. I don't think I've ever whistled before when I was preaching. Anyway, he gave us power 
<laughs> to be his witnesses. But it's the proof of true discipleship and it's the proof of spirit-filled living. So if I'm truly bearing fruit, then you can look at me and say, you know what, he's a disciple. He's a spirit-filled disciple. Is that good? Now, I could also get in the fruits of the spirit that, that shapes us up and tells us how to live. Love, love joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, mercy, all of those fruits of the spirit, all of that, right? Holy Spirit working in our lives, not just manifesting his power, but maturing us. You see, fruitfulness is the proof of discipleship and fruitfulness is the proof of Holy Spirit living. Fruitfulness reflects the character of the tree. If I go to an apple tree, I'm gonna get an apple, right? If I go to an orange tree, I'm gonna get an orange, and if you and I are Christians, our tree is gonna reflect the character of Christ. Fruitfulness is visible. It shows that we're healthy, mature Christians. Fruitfulness always benefits others. Boy, it's a joy when we find discipleship in Christ and we find that heart that says, I wanna spend the rest of my life helping others. It's a joy, it's a, ple it's a pleasure, it's a privilege. So he's our strength, he's our strategy. And then finally, I wanna close with this point. All of that brings to our lives significance. Everybody, truth be known, wants to be significant, right? We want to live a significant life. Significance is the quality of being important. And there's nothing more important than being who Christ called us to be, being a true disciple. What is true success? Is success money in the bank? Is success paid off mortgage debt? Is success high academic degrees? Is success popularity? Is success living the good life and taking trips and adventures and having experiences after experiences? Are these the things that we really, really are looking to in our lives? Are these the things that are really bringing joy in our lives? None of these things are bad, by the way. And Christ has given us all these things to enjoy in the right balance of things. But is that really true success? I propose to us that all of those things and much more pale in comparison to being fruitful for the cause of Christ. That's true success, being that disciple. And all of this is motivated by love. And all of this is sustained by joy. I'm gonna read one final scripture passage and before we close. It's motivated by love and sustained by joy. Look with me, John 15, starting at verse nine, so I can explain that comment. Motivated by love, sustained by joy. Verse nine, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide, live, remain, stay put in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. There is an expectation of living righteously as a Christian. Can I get an amen this morning? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you 
that my joy may remain in you. Let me say that again. My joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. As we transition into a time of prayer, I want us to ask the Lord to renew our love this morning for him and for other people. And then I want to ask us this morning the question about this joy that he talked about. The joy, remember, he's the true vine, we're the branch, and and we're receiving all these things that we've preached about and all these beautiful things through John 15. And he talks about here that he wants to give us, I called it joy for the journey. And I ask you this morning, as as we've walked through these difficult days together, as we have journeyed through this pandemic together, where is your joy? Is your joy unspeakable and full of glory? Or do you need him to put some more joy in your journey? Joy is internal stability in spite of external circumstances. Joy is an ability, a power, a determination, a strength on the inside that keeps us going regardless of what is happening on the outside. And I say to you this morning, regardless of what is happening around you and even close to you and maybe even in your own home, you can have joy on the inside. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. We sing that old song, joy unspeakable and full of glory, and the half has never yet been told. And we think about it as the emotional joy, and I thank God for the emotional joy, amen? I believe it's a gift from God. But joy is not just the emotional, exuberant joy, but joy is the sustaining presence of God that will get us up out of bed in the morning when things are going rough. Joy is the internal stability of God that will carry us through when the world around us is chaotic, falling apart, and we don't know what to do. There is a joy that comes from the true vine that will sustain us through this world. And it is indeed joy unspeakable and full of glory. So where is your joy this morning? Do you need more joy from him? Do you need him to infuse you with joy for the journey? Do you need him to give you that settled assurance and quiet confidence that your life is hidden in Christ and you are connected to the true vine? And if things go my way, I'm connected to him and I have joy. But if things don't go my way, I am still connected to him and he is my joy. Would you stand with me, please, this morning? It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. And the half 
has never yet been told. I am glad that I am connected in to the true vine. I am glad that he gives me strength. I am glad that he has a a strategy for my life. I am glad that he leads me to significance and I am glad that I can have joy for this journey. They're gonna sing for us. This altar is open for you this morning. I believe Patricia was gonna have special prayer this morning because she has a surgery coming up this week and you can come, come and go ahead and come forward. I'll get it out in a second. You can come forward, we're gonna pray for you. Anyone else need prayer this morning? This altar is open for you to stand and be prayed for or kneel and pray or whatever. But I believe God wants to give us joy for the journey. Would you just bow your heads and let's pray together this morning for joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Lord, I pray this morning, God, that you would touch each each one in this place today, that you would give them joy, unspeakable and full of glory. And the half has never yet been told. Joy that comes from knowing you. Joy in the Holy Spirit joy that keeps us in the hard times, the crushing times, the disappointing times, but you give us joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy that gives us a determination that we're going to serve you whether things go our way or whether they don't go our way. Lord, bless your people this morning with joy unspeakable and full of glory. We thank you, Lord, this morning.